Hello, everyone. Welcome to the X Factor Files podcast. I'm Daryl. I'm Philip. And today we are joined by a special guest for First Contact Day, the annual holiday for all Star Trek folk, which I feel they're trying to make more and more of a thing. But it's hard because it doesn't just roll off the tongue like May the 4th. Yeah, April the 4th just doesn't do it. No, but it's all still right. fun. Yes. And it's even more fun because, hey, it's Mr. Scott Free. Hi, uh, thanks for having me uh, here. I'm excited to talk uh, First Contact and um, this, shall we say, work of art that is the uh, Star Trek X-Men crossover from 1996. Yeah, this, I think First Contact, the movie came out in 96 as well, so. Oh, I'm terrible with the years. It was a big year for Star Trek in 1996. And it started with such a good sequence with the ships, and then my, it has my two favorites, although some of them go flying across the screen in flames, the Akira class and the Steam Runner class. Philip loves the ships of Star Trek. I do not know what the classes are aside from, like, Constitution class. I I know, like, the big ones, and, like, I can identify, like, oh, yeah, that's, like, you know, that's Constellation, that's Constitution, but... Then these like little obscure ones will come on and I'm like, okay, yeah. Those little O-Births with their yeah. one nacelle. Yeah, just puttering along. And that's because you played computer games. Yes. Yeah, ridiculous ones. So that's why it's so fun when like in Lower Decks, Dr. Ta'ana makes reference like, I didn't spend seven fucking years on an O-Birth to die here. <laughs> But now, now she's serving on the Enterprise of the uh, the Cerit- was it the California class, the Cerritos, yeah. um, you know, Masters of Second Contact. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we're going to discuss the first comic that Marvel put out once they got the license back for Star Trek in 1996. So they had it, it went to DC, they got it back, and now it's with IDW. Yeah, and there's a weird gray in-between period oh, after they fun. lost it. Um, so uh, they had it, and Scott, you uh, tried to suffer through some of the early 80s Star Trek comics. It's, it's um, yeah, like, I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend them. Um, like, if you're a fan of, like, the original like animated series like spock is like a wizard and stuff like that like you will really like like the classic like tos comics but um they're they're pretty out there uh, yeah it's an 18 issue run and it was a weird contract where it was right after the motion picture and the motion picture is a very artsy film i wouldn't say it's a very good Star Trek film um directed by Robert Wise who also directed The Sound of Music so um they the license that Marvel got at that time they could only base their comics and storylines on things coming out of the motion picture they could not use any ideas or characters created just for the original series so any character present in the motion picture they could use I see and they could do riffs off of different things but they couldn't stray into anything from the original series Interesting. which at that point why did you sign that contract Marvel 
Yeah, um, Marvel made some interesting licensing and contracting decisions. Um, I wouldn't say it's their worst. Uh, that would probably be selling the rights to most of their um, major characters to Fox and Sony. But uh, the Star Trek licensing thing is certainly very out there because you get these stories that um, exist in a sort of like negative space where like they can't reference any of the iconic, like you can't reference like Khan. You have to reference like weird post TMP. Yeah, it, it's there. Uh, like you said, it's more in the vein of the animated series than anything else. So if you want a bonkers story about a haunted house floating in space, yes. go for that 18 issue run. Um, DC probably had the most successful Star Trek run um, in the before IDW era, mm. where they just banged out over 150 issues over two volumes of the original series. And then they also did TNG as well and that's yeah. where peter david wrote a lot of star trek comics um and this, some of them are quite well regarded still i mean i have a shore box filled with them so if you ever want like a little star trek adventure you can pull out one and have it and then put it away because mostly they're all either one shots or it's quick arcs it's like three issue arcs that's not bad no uh, I mean, unfortunately, a lot of that stuff hasn't been, I think most of it hasn't been collected just because of the licensing um, rights and issues. There's, so. a, there's a decent hardcover collection that's put out. I, oh, I forget the company. You have a couple of them. I have a couple of them. Oh, um, yeah, where the art on the spines lines up. To yeah. Make a... So they. Oh. Uh, it was one of those series where it's like time life and like if you line them all up together, it's one giant panoramic picture. Um, and those came out in the last few years. So I don't know who got the reprint license. I don't think it was IDW. It's some third party company um, who put out Marvel stuff, DC stuff and reprinted a bunch of it. But they're oh. also super expensive. Like you're getting five issues. And if you don't find them for a bargain like I did, they're going to cost like $30 per volume, which at that point, there are pirating sites. So. Yeah. That um, head shake says it all. Yeah, I mean, like, don't, you know, I don't encourage, like, pirating. Um, but No, you... not at all. I mean, especially as someone who litigates, you, you can't. I mean, ethically, it's wrong. But you should what? go to, like, your local comic store and find used copies in the dollar bin um, or less because they are easy to come by because not many people are searching for star trek comics yeah um unlike like say like rom the space knight god help me um like these aren't like particularly like yeah these aren't like collector's items per se um so you don't get people like rehawking star trek comics on like ebay for like hundreds of dollars usually yeah and um rom space knight i found most of them for like a dollar or two dollars I did have to pay 15 for issue number one last month or earlier this month, actually. No, last month. It's April. Yeah. Yep. You, you are a uh, smarter man than I because I bought a bunch of ROM at a con and got, I think, you know, fleeced. So, um, yeah. but this is how we learn. And, it uh, is. And for nerds like me who are more familiar with Star Trek than comic books, when Daryl first said ROM the Space Knight, I'm like, 
Rom the Frankie, like the, the new Negus, <laughs> he became a space knight. What? Yeah, he's, he's the light of Galador. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm going to dive into the end of this issue first, um, just since we're talking about Marvel getting the license back again, um, because it's short lived. And at the end of this issue, we have a bunch of previews of what they're going to be printing. Which is this, which IDW seems to have picked up because you go through those Star Trek comics and then there's like another five or six pages just of ads and forthcoming things. Yeah. The first one they're profiling is Voyager. Um, I think all of these got around like 18 issues or so, and that's about it. So um, Voyager is the hot property in 96 because it was brand new. And the art is decent. Like Blana's face looks fun. Harry has someone standing over his shoulder because he's forever an ensign, never to be promoted. Poor Harry. I know. Um, Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Gets another one. So Malibu Comics, which Marvel Ooh. bought, oh. um, previously yeah. did a few Deep Space Nines. So they're restarting the series. Um, again, it, it was on TV at the time. So best track yeah and this 96 would have been around the time that deep space nine was really starting to uh like pick up with like i think it's right around when the dominion stuff yeah the dominion war oh yeah, yeah season three and then the klingon war yes oh so good captain Bodet. <laughs> And yeah. one that won't shut up. And Captain Baudet that we never see. I we don't have to. And <laughs> really, with his transparent skull, how much of him can you see? Yeah. Just his brain. Um, oh. Starfleet Academy, which is an original title where they're talking obviously about cadets. I feel like um Power of X-Men would like this because the art here, some yeah. dude has the rider strong hair. Dayspring would love. <sighs> Yeah, Whatever this um, my my exasperated sigh about uh, I I have like a mental challenge to see if we can get through an episode without a mention of Ryder Strong, and <laughs> we still have not. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry to have burst that bubble. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I, I I feel at home here. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, Mal- Malibu. That's actually. Um, Malibu is interesting because they acquired a lot of rights for like TV and like video game adaptations. Mm. I know Malibu, in addition to Star Trek, also did like Mortal Kombat and just some like really like Gonzo Terminator um, comics. Because why Um, wouldn't you in the early 90s like milk that cash cow? Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, Mortal Kombat, like. Kids ripping out spines and Super Nintendo. It was a simpler time. <laughs> I remember going to get like the the personal pan pizza from reading twenty five books at school, and then there was they had a Mortal Kombat video game, and we were never allowed to play something so violent. But I was like, give it some side eye to see what was happening on it because it looked awesome. It it was uh I you know it was formative I. That's why I'm completely desensitized to most forms of like television or film violence because you know I was like like five and doing you know like <laughs> hero shattering people and now I'm just completely completely desensitized. But uh, I I digress. Back to Star Trek. Yeah. Um, the next series is Star Trek Unlimited. So this is sort of like X Men Unlimited, Fantastic Four Unlimited. It's telling stories outside of continuity, outside of canon even. Uh, 
I think every time that someone gets the Star Trek license, they're like, oh no, it's canon. Okay. Like IDW is like everything we're writing right now is canon. It won't be in like three years. Well, it's curious that you mentioned Peter David Forth writing other types of Star Trek before IDW because now IDW is selling like or electronic versions at least of the best of Peter David Star Treks. Yeah. So. Early voyages. So this is the Strange New Worlds before Strange New Worlds. It's all about Captain Pike. But not Enterprise because Enterprise was just a glint in someone's Republican eye at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no faith of the heart. Um, no faith of the heart. Um, <laughs> I made so the the Star Trek A's. I made everyone watch season three for the Zindi arc. Um, back in the pandemic, when we would all watch an episode each night, they I don't know if they've forgiven me yet for that. Yeah, uh, and then they just they blow up Florida, and it's never acknowledged ever again in Star Trek that just Florida has been eradicated. <laughs> Oops. I mean, I'm just shocked that it hasn't already fallen into the ocean. So it's, it's the 22nd century technology. I guess they stopped it. They yeah. probably terraformed it. They used the Genesis device for Florida. Um, and that's the last monthly series, early voyages. And um, then we get a one-shot promoted that is Mirror Mirror, which I just discovered in the side table in the living room in a, in a drawer in a drawer there's a bag of three comics from the dollar store from when i was like eight that have been in that bag ever since and one of them is a spider-man comic and then we have mirror mirror and assimilation another one shot and i was like oh i have these in pristine condition and i've never read them um so we're at the very beginning of Marvel having this license again. They lose the license within two years. Yeah. Like there is drama behind the scenes. And even I think I read the last issue of either Unlimited or Early Voyages. And they were pissed. They're like, yeah, this wasn't supposed to end, but it's ending now. And the... um in the letters page they're like oh so sad to see this go if you're subscribed to this next month you'll receive iron man and it's like what <laughs> the things do not go together <laughs> wow marvel like yeah. i don't know what happened behind the scenes but the they shit the bed business-wise with the star trek license yeah i mean this is the era of marvel sort of teetering on the edge of um uh bankruptcy and financial collapse so um not a lot of good decisions being made all around i also i think it's very cruel to inflict um mid-90s iron man on um subscribers to your comics but i guess that's one way to move it <laughs> yeah true <laughs> you can bump those sales numbers yeah and yeah, you make a good point because I think in 99, that's when they canceled a, a shit ton. That's when Generation X was canceled. Oh. X-Man was canceled. Um, like they went through and they're like, why do we have all these titles? Why are we spending all this money on these artists and writers? We're going to slim down the line. And that's when we got, coincidentally, like it was right around the time that we got Heroes Reborn so they could resend. A bunch of stuff and get rid of extraneous 
things. Huh. Yeah, and sort of paved the way for um, both Claremont's brief return and um, uh, the Morrison era sort of stuff. I knew enough I was going to reference that. That's exciting. Yeah. Because New X-Men was like 2001 or so. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's dive into the actual issue that we read. It is supersized. So uh, even though we covered a bunch of pages with previews, there's still plenty to talk about. And a lot of different artists, like on the credits page, there's folks who get like 20 pages and then three pages and then like skip one and then you get another four. Yeah, we get prolific writer Scott Lobdell on this. So he wrote X-Men, Lobdell did Generation X. I feel like Sylvester did art for Generation Sylvester did art for Uncanny X-Men in the 80s. Like, he also has a very firm grasp of these characters. That's why the hair reminds me of that one image of Richter where he's in his, like, jean cutoffs and is super buff and has, like, ridiculously long hair, which to me is just such a shock going from that image of Richter to the Richter we got in X-Factor Investigations. Yes, um, 80s, 90s Richter is a very different Richter from like the more familiar um, Richter that we get in sort of like the early 2000s. Uh, he's very, um, yeah, I think you just described it really well. Like I can't elaborate on that. Um, sort of like hot dirtbag Richter. And um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. like if you broke down on the side of the road and you're trying to change a tire, like he would pull up behind you and ask you if he needed help. And you would really have second thoughts. You'd be like, I do, but do I want this person to help me? But also he's built like that. You would wonder if you were in a Sean Cody or something. Yes. Like, is this about to turn into a porno? Yeah, but not like a good Sean Cody. Like... <laughs> Talking like like B tier, C tier. Um, yeah, like you have to really go back on their models pages to find him. Yeah, and he only just... appeared in like one and a half videos. Got fired halfway through that second one. <laughs> yeah, and it's just included in that video. Like the director comes on, it's like Chishi Luru. And, and they're like, you're fired. And he's like, okay, can I still not end she's like no and he just walks off so that this took a turn it did and um anyone listening with their children sorry um wow Um, back to star trek because i'm not editing this at all um we're on the bridge of the original series enterprise like we are here in the five-year mission era and it's a very classic scene you get the banter between spock and mccoy yeah very familiar um you know mccoy sort of poking uh at spock and spock being like well you know i thought you were a man of science doctor and um you know sort of haughty classic uh five-year kind of mission guys yeah we're here and we get a captain's log they're back at delta vega which we have not visited as star trek fans since where no man has gone before. And Kirk is having feelings. Kirk's having feelings because his best friend is dead down there. Like his corpse is just corpsing. After or becoming a semi-godlike Gary Mitchell. I didn't know that was a verb. Yeah. Um, corpse is going to corpse. 
and it is but don't wait that corpse is gonna do things um so they're here to check it out because there are some big psionic energies happening which is a fun like in the x-men video games jean gray has psionic attacks or like you can add psionic energy to her melee attacks mm. so having that word come up in star trek was a little strange for me not gonna lie yeah. Yeah, I, I don't really recall any instances of uh, psionic energy in uh, Star Trek uh, stuff other than this. So it's, it's, you know, first time for everything. Especially because we haven't met the beta Zeds yet, or Betazoids yet. Which, side note, like, um, I really wanted Pike and the Strange New Worlds crew to meet Betazoids for the first time. And some ancestor of Loxana to just be so over the top I would I would live for that well season two is coming up in like two months so a boy can hope um they're taking we'll readings see. there's a lot of fluctuations that seems to be the summation of this giant splash page yes yeah uh a lot of readings uh we get some Chekhov with the captain uh spelled with a k um that's how you know he's Russian. Yes. Should be backwards, though, just to put the full effect. Oh, that's true. They probably didn't. Marvel couldn't afford that in the mid-90s. They couldn't afford a Cyrillic alphabet. No, they're not that, They're not paying for that lettering. No, that's why it just turned into, like, English in brackets, where they're, like, translated from the Russian. I'm sorry, I feel like we cut you off. You're going to say something about Betazoids or Loxana or... Oh no, just maybe we'll see the sacred chalice of uh of Reeks. Reeks. Yeah, it's it's a moldy old cup, so we're told. And maybe we can see it in its heyday if it's strange new worlds. Maybe it's been through the dishwasher back then. Or newly minted and bestowed upon the Troy bloodline. I don't know. Uh we get uh, a ship coming out of warp. It's real insectoid looking. Do you know what this uh, ship is, Scott? For a moment, I thought it was like a brood. Yeah. And, um, I am not entirely sure what this is. Well, we don't really need to care because it explodes. Yes. So it, it appears and then it's gone and a bigger ship takes its place. Not going to lie, when I read this, those pages were stuck together and I did not understand that ship. I don't know how they're stuck together since I read it like the day before and I definitely did not get off to this. So... Oh my, I don't know what to do with that, but yeah, I couldn't figure out why the X-Men oh. were referencing their ship exploding, and now, now I know. Yeah, and mm-hmm. um, there's confusion on the bridge of the Enterprise. They're like, what's this giant ship? And, and it's huge, especially compared to the Enterprise. Yeah. Yeah. She are our size queens. Yeah, apparently they have a ton of resources, which makes sense because they're spacefaring empire yeah. yeah like they need a lot of space what do you think the weirdest room is that they have on that ship the rookery Ooh, a rookery like you need height and space if you're going to go up and roost to take a nap okay oh, how do you feel scott i can't argue with that logic um i was also going to say the room where they keep the hover chair that they always produce for xavier whenever he shows up um 
you got a lot of storage space for random hover chairs because you never know when the Majestrix's um, booty call is going to show up. Yeah, she's going to need to sow some wild oats whenever he shows up. I mean, there's got to be a supply closet with like five of them. Oh, yeah. It's like when you go into a store and they have the uh, um, accessibility chairs all plugged in in a row, charging up, waiting for a guest who needs them. It, it's like that, but there's a little sign that says Charles Xavier only on the yeah. outside. Charles's sex chair. Do not touch. <laughs> oh, yeah. Different chairs. Um, and there's, there's a projectile that gets launched. Yeah. And, and it stops like there. I feel like in this era of Star Trek, they're not used to things changing course suddenly, projectiles at least. No, this is, um, yeah. I mean, the projectile thing kind of threw me because it's like they do have torpedoes, like right with torpedoes. guidance systems, yeah, which are projectiles. Um, so you know, I'll, I'll give Lobdell a pass on that. And it's Gladiator and looking great like the art is super fun for gladiator yeah he's he's buff he's confident um he's fueled by his own confidence he, um, the, it, the colors are working the yeah. shading yeah the, his whole ability to speak in space in the vacuum yeah they have no clue how anyone's doing whatever he's doing out there Aside living up. Side note, I love it when characters do that, when they're just like, I don't know what the rules are. Like in Ghosts, where they're like, we can walk through walls, but not the floor. They're like, there's no rule book. We weren't handed any guide. And in the most hardcore move that Gladiator could do, he just punches the Enterprise. Yes. Uh, which Starfleet obviously has not been trained um, to handle with somebody just coming up and punching your starship. Um, which which I... I I was surprised because they encounter so many godlike beings who are just floating around in space. Like Abraham Lincoln was just floating outside of their ship. Yes. Um, look, you know, you tell me if like Honest Abe was going to take a swing at the ship, like Kirk wouldn't wouldn't have known what to do. He split rails for a living as a child. Like they should have been prepared after that. Yep. Disappointing. I mean, even in Lower Decks, when the Cerritos gets bitten by um, Ransom's floating head, they, they don't know what to do with that. Yeah, they're not, you know, it, it, it's something that we've lost, clearly, in the future. Um, like, nobody knows how to take a punch. No. Especially ships. Uhura is doing her best to uh, translate stuff because they don't know what language is being used. And she's so good at it. And she's like, ah, this is a... It's a royal transport of the Shi'ar Empire, I guess. And that's when they decide, like, we're going to need to figure this out. Like, um, there's a dude who just punched our ship and he it wants to destroy us. And actually did damage to the shields. Yeah. Yeah. Um... So uh, Scotty goes down to engineering, but we get Creeper Wolverine, like, a really aggressive Wolverine throughout this entire book. And he is eavesdropping in a grate. Like he's in the vents. And the Enterprise has huge HVAC vents. Like, what? I mean, because Wolverine, this 90s Wolverine, I guess all Wolverine, um, he's ridiculously buff. No one needs that body dysmorphia. Feeling. Yeah. It's, it's the extreme 90s. Um, so like he should be like disproportional and like sort of shape. 
but like so question what do you think the shiar language actually sounds like i kind of assume seagulls like you know, it's sort of a squawking yeah yes i so we there's a game called wingspan that my family has just gone bonkers over and we even have it for the switch and then have like some of the calls when you play the birds okay and like part of me wants to wants the elderly shiar to sound like the vultures and the owls or it's just like super raspy ah. but I don't, I don't think anyone is sounding like a songbird i think it's all like crabby seagulls i think you're right yeah there's like some whooping crane mixed in there oh yeah with like the almost honking <laughs> that's how you know death bird is coming after you she honks at you she's an angry goose <laughs> she's a very angry goose um yeah i i do think it's it's like it's interesting because this is uh obviously out of continuity for the x-men but it's also a very specific time where like logan has had the adamantium stripped uh from his bones by magneto because he's got like the bone claws yes i felt so proud for realizing that that's what it was when he didn't have the smooth metal and it's a very odd team so wolverine goes back through some more vents to get to the team who's they're in um somewhere behind engineering because they're being shielded by the dilithium crystals yeah but you've got bishop also super ripped cyclops also super ripped but looking real good some gene, some storm, a gambit, and a beast. And this was a, was this the team at the time, or did they just pick some like mm-hmm. easily identifiable mutants? Um, they picked some easily identifiable mutants. Um, I was actually kind of surprised that like Psylocke wasn't there because this is sort of like the heyday of like. Betsy, hot ninja assassin. Oh, yeah. We're going to put her in everything. Um, I have a feeling some of this was done um, for like synergy with the cartoon as well, because all these, all these characters are regulars on the cartoon, except for Bishop, who's a little uh, more infrequent. But it, yeah, it's it's sort of a random grab bag of like prominent members of both like the blue and the gold uh teams and gambit's looking real rough at first i thought like oh is he hung over because i mean remy would yeah it it would tracks um but he apparently was the last one transported off of the ship right before it exploded so they they somehow transported who transported them bishop and, and whose systems like it didn't give the impression that it's as seamless as a federation transporter yeah um i mean i'm i'm assuming it was a shiar transporter i don't know how they got through the enterprise's shields i don't know how the enterprise didn't detect it or these are these are questions these are questions yeah. We're sacrificing details for the story. Yes. And it, Beast is trying to figure things out. Um, Logan is saying everything. Logan is really just giving us the whole story here. 
Which is so because different from what I'm used to with modern Wolverine, where like the Wolverine comics, you get like simple sentences and like one sentence per panel. And life is pain. With this Ugh. sort of comic, you have to explain a bunch of X-Men shit for Star Trek fans and a bunch of Star Trek shit for X-Men fans. Like, like there has to be a trade-off. And this is where the X-Men stuff is being explained. Um like we get Lalandra being the sister of Deathbird in one sentence. Like it's giving us the quick and dirty so that maybe the story makes sense. And it's sort of I works having a team of identifiable X-Men if it sounded like it was a special mission for Lalandra. So she would have gotten the special permission from Xavier to pull these top people in their animated series costumes for the most part. To go yeah, do this thing. Um, presumably after their last um, booty call, uh, she just asked Chuck, you know, give me, <laughs> give me some people. I I need them to go hunt down my uh, sister who keeps trying to overthrow me. And uh, post-coital Chuck is like, sure. Yeah, anything you want, baby. As he <laughs> smokes a cigarette. <laughs> yes, it's a long drag off of like. He's definitely smoking like a Misty 100 or something, too. <laughs> Side question, isn't Cannonball now married to Deathbird? No. Uh, Cannonball is married to Izzy, who is a smasher, a member of the Imperial, Imperial Guard. Uh, oh. Vulcan is married to Deathbird for a time, and they have a child who is never mentioned uh ever again yet i mean when you start writing an ongoing vulcan series i'm sure i you know i i have i have faith in my sales abilities but i don't think that one's going anywhere (laughs) (laughs) um so they recognize that gambit's in rough shape they need to get him to uh, sick bay so they're gonna sneak him through like some corridors um to the medical bay because that'll work um i mean it's storm so it's going to but beast so yeah so Jean then reaches out with her telepathic powers to figure out like we need to get off of this ship and spock is like oh i feel something i love that panel he's just like doing his thing and then it's like dot 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 fascinating like I like I like it when the Star Trek species use their telepathic abilities in awesome ways. Um, so he's off. He's like, I feel something. I'm gonna track it down. And I made a mistake. They're not going to sick bay through the hallways. They're dragging Gambit sick ass through the vents. Oh, <laughs> like, <no. laughs> who's like? Is he just being dragged by like his hood through? How do you make those 90 degree turns? It would be fine until you get to like a Jeffrey's tube with like the, or the ones at the ladders. Yeah. That that just, might suck a little bit. You just grab the head sock and start driving. <laughs> um, so they break into sick bay and Dr. McCoy is like, what are you doing here? Yeah, storm blew the vent off, which would cause a ruckus. Subtlety is not their flavor during this story i could see that 
No. Um, but he summons uh, Nurse Chapel. Um, Magic we love a good Demanda Martini moment, and here we are. Yeah. Uh, get that Demanda money. And um, she's like, Dr. McCoy. And the two Dr. McCoys are both like, what? Uh, <laughs> that was hilarious. I didn't even recognize that that would be a thing until it happened. But yes, Nurse Chapel. Love a good Nurse Chapel moment. The other half of the team, Cyclops, Jean Grey, Bishop, and Wolverine, who is so much shorter, um, are stalking through an actual hallway. It's true. To get to a shuttle. And Spock is like, hold up, bitches. No, you don't. Yeah. Um, it, like, I feel like a lot of like modern readers uh, have lost appreciation for like how short Logan is supposed to be yeah and like, he's, he's often drawn nowadays like much taller uh particularly like post hugh jackman um and it's like oh yeah this is actually like short wolverine like this is a like five foot tall like dude yeah he's also crouching and like and the rest of them have like excellent poise so that's not helping his case either well he is like an animal because so. he is charging at Spock. rude yeah, that was my first reaction as well How yeah. you? and uh spock uh hands his ass to him um because not only are vulcans uh very physically powerful that often gets like overlooked uh he's given the old vulcan uh nerve uh neck pinch and um pinchy pinch yeah and uh, then but he jumps right back up and he's like it's called a healing factor bub because we needed to work above into it. I mean, of all the people to take with you on a space mission, I I don't think I would ever choose Wolverine. Oh, what, I mean, you, you what need brawler would you take instead, though? I feel like Colossus could fill a hull breach just like poking his finger through the the hole, like that Dutch kid. He he filled it with his whole body at one point in Uncanny in See, I want to say the late 100. I issues? would choose smooth metal over stabby stabs. Like he uh, and then he got injured as a result of it. And he's more diplomatic. He is. So. Well, the, this Colossus though is part of um, the Acolytes in this era. Um, oh. So is after uh, Ilyana's died, he joins evil again, Magneto. So I think, again, this isn't like in continuity, but like Colossus is off doing like kind of terrorist stuff. Okay. Oh, so he's off the table. Scott Lobdell was like, Colossus not available for this adventure. <laughs> I, my list of things to, to go back and read just keeps growing every time I record. Some of the some of the mid '90s stuff is is uh, is hard. Like um, if you like Exodus, um, like this is the whole era when like Exodus is just like showing up and being like, "Oh, Magneto is our you know leader," and like Colossus oh, is just there, and it's like it's entertaining, but it's also like not necessarily a high point for like X story telling i digress though it's a mixed bag um post claremont is a mixed bag 
for a while. Um, I, I also apologize to any French listeners for my uh, bad Exodus accent. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Spock is like sort of understanding, even though he's being threatened by some bone claws, and he's like, you know, Snacked. yeah, let let's help. Um, I think I can do something for you, which. Spock, good diplomat. That's why he was doing that underground shit in TNG yeah. with the Romulans. And McCoy is also on board because they were like, wait, you're helping us? Shouldn't you fear and hate us? And he's like, no, I'm a doctor. Yeah. Um, and it's the 22nd century. And so long as you're not uh, a clone or a genetic Superman, you're, you're okay. Yeah. And... Uh, we have everyone going up to the bridge. Well, Spock's crew is going up to the bridge. Um, and Kirk ran into them because McCoy had called up to the bridge. And he's like, uh, Jim, you might want to come down here. Yes. But then we get a little interlude. Like, we're going over to the Shi'ar ship. Um, Deathbird's looking dead. Like, I was going to say she looks badass. She looks badass, but like also like in a very evil undead way. Yeah. But don't I thought she are just have like the the forever and always funky eyeshadow. I was just talking about like the skin tone. Oh. Like it, it's an olive color, like, oh. but not in like a normal human olive colored skin. It is like it doesn't go with her purples. Yes. It's like I drained a can of black olives and the juice is this color. And that's Deathbird. Yeah. Um, See, and, but that old advisor dude has that raspy blah, yeah, vulture sound. He sounds like a Skeksis. Yes. Yeah. Well, she's got, you know, angry goose energy. You know. <laughs> yeah, she does. And then this is where we're getting the background on what happened to Gary Mitchell. How the planet is not supposed to look like this that it's forming its own buildings and everything now metal and glass and yeah. clay are shifting and we get the marriage of gary mitchell omnipotent being and proteus omnipotent being so proteus has found a vessel for his evilness and that vessel is the corpse of captain kirk's best friend former best friend because he probably like, has a new one now it's like a slight melding of the two like there's still some Gary Mitchell in the sauce yeah it's yeah. not like Proteus is animating this dead thing and it's only Proteus inside yes so um we get a bit of a background on Proteus being Moira McTaggart's son who jumps from body to body to body because he keeps burning out yes but yeah. on the Deathbird page they're like this is a source of constant energy with this energy we will be victorious and doing all sorts of evil empire things. So the psionic energies. Yes. They're there to siphon them off. Yes. Um, but and that's, do evil things. It's going to involve Proteus doing things. So we go to the ready room on the Enterprise. And all the X-Men are there at our table that we know and love from the original series. With the little gemstone buttons. Yes. Yes. And... Um, I love the gemstone buttons. Gene is sensing something, and there's a wonderful moment that I'll post on our Instagram between her and Captain Kirk, where he is trying his 
best his marmiest if you will and she's like uh my husband in bold yes so he gets the message although i don't know if that would entirely stop james t kirk Nope. Like he sees it as a hurdle to get over right now, but it's not going to stop it. I mean, Alex Scott's instant reaction just nope. That, that no, I, I, I read all of this in Shatner's voice and I was just like, no, Kirk, <laughs> Kirk's not stopping. Especially with 90s Gene, like this is an outfit. That outfit, the, the boobs, like it's the 90s pinup. Yes. The scheme that they applied to every female, which yeah. going back is Psylocke, like would look have the same same exact body type. Yeah, had she been in this comic, which is why the Marvel Legends don't stand on their own. That and Marvel Legends women, they always put them in high heels. Yes, because uh, women. I feel bad. Like I have Storm and Rogue and Megan. And they all have to stand against a wall. <laughs> yeah, in the back, which is so unfair. Yeah. Um, I like the only like male Marvel Legends that I have that I have to do that, I think, is like is like Null, like the King in Black, just because he's too like top heavy. Like, um, and you get that with like, oh yeah, like let's lean Emma Frost back up because her boobs and high heels make her like she's kind yeah. of but you, you put the cape on Emma Frost to try to counterbalance. Yeah. It's so now, hard. I, I shouldn't have to do like basic physics to get my action figures to stand up, but this is the world that we live in. Yeah. Or maybe Hasbro should put out stands. Like they used to give us stands for every single Star Trek action figure in the 90s. That's true with the little communicator badge. Yeah. With the insignia. Um, so what's going on here with Gene? They are, or she's sensing things happening down on the planet. So some bad shit. Yeah. So she senses things much like Deanna Troy. Where she's like, I sense violence <laughs> down on the planet. I sense danger. And they're like, let's go. And in the captain's log on the next page, they even say the command crew of the Enterprise, along with most of the X-Men, have beamed down to the planet surface. It's always the entire command crew. They're like, we're sending all of our top brass down there I to think... explore this dangerous situation. And, and and the one the one guy in the red shirt who you've never seen before, and you know he's going to be okay. You, yeah, he's going to be fine. He's going to pull through. But that's at least in the far point encounter in TNG. Riker puts up a big fuss. He's like, the captain does not go on dangerous miss missions. That's what the first officer is for. I think they somewhere along the line they learned that lesson not to send the whole command crew down. Definitely not here. And it, right. danger was the correct sense because we see Deathbird like all up on corpse Gary Mitchell. Like she thinks she's gonna get some good good from that. And it's like, oh girl, like oh she's like, welcome to my new power source. Yeah. Um, and it's just like the Imperial members of the Imperial Guard are just like standing there watching. Being uh, buff. Being buff. Again, it's the nineties. Everybody was super buff. Yeah, there's I still, a... I still have questions though. Like, why is the Imperial Guard not with Lalandra? Why did they go off with Deathbird? Does she are all of them guilty of treason? I don't know. 
CR politics? Um, I I think Deathbird is the Majestrix at this point. Um is like she keeps overthrowing Lil Randra and Lil Lil Rand Lil Landra comes back. And I think this is one of the times when Deathbird is and Lil Rand Lil Landra has like a government and exile oh. kind of thing because like Guardian would be with whoever the emperor or empress yeah. at the time is. Yes, because I in my little that I know about him, it's just like Oh, you're the Empress, you have my undying loyalty. Like he doesn't think much beyond that. I appreciate that these Imperial Guards have letters on their chest so we can name them. I mean, I don't know what their names are, but I know that his name probably starts with a T. Uh it doesn't. It's a, it's Smasher. So I, I don't know what the T <laughs> is for. <laughs> is it is it a Z at least on the, the big dude in the back? Um, I don't know who that is. Um, the other guy, the the kind of redhead, mm-hmm. um, has been around since the seventies, and it, I'm I'm going to remember it as soon as we stop recording. Oh, I know. Well, you you're taking the the dive into seventies Nova right now. Yes. Who is that? Um, fun? You know, I got it right here. It's. It's fun. Um, it's very like it's that weird era where you know it's early Bronze Age. It's that weird sort of transition from the Silver Age sort of dialogue to like more modern like writing. So it'll just be like, oh, gee whiz, I got to finish like my homework, and then just like an alien just like bursts through, and it's like, oh, you know, mom's gonna kill me, and um, it's it's fun. I, I definitely recommend it if you love Nova, but. Like, don't go in expecting, like, Abnet, like, sort of 2000s um, space yeah. stuff. Yeah, there are, I feel, three distinct periods of Marvel cosmic stuff. It is 70s, early 90s, and then, like, the past 10 to 15 years. I like Richard Rider in the Guardian stuff, and now he's in red, so that's exciting. Um but I feel like the Imperial Guard, like in one of the red issues, just got demolished. And like they yeah. seemed new on the job and it was their first mission and they all died. Hmm. So I yeah. the 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 Imperial Guard mostly exists to show up and get like jobbed around and to show like how um like serious the threat is. Because okay. like at least in their their original incarnation in um like the Dark Phoenix saga, a lot of them are very comparable to members of the X-Men. So you could show them getting like blown up and killed. Oh. And it's like, oh wow, you know, like Fang, who's like the Wolverine equivalent, got killed. And like the stakes are so high because that could have been like Wolverine. And you hear so much about like, oh, they're so great, they're so powerful, they protect the Empire. And they always just get their asses handed to them um consistently. I appreciate the wrestling reference with jobbed around. I, you know, I'm I'm a child of the SmackDown era and its peak, and yes. you know, you gotta throw the people's elbow around sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, on the planet, speaking of throwing an elbow or two, and maybe laying the SmackDown, 
Kirk and Cyclops both exclaim at the same time, Gary and Proteus. And then they're like, friend of yours. Yeah. Um, and then a great like splash page with Deathbird caressing the corpse's face, like, ooh, as he is talking about his evil plan. Like villain monologue 101. It is uh whatever three eight it's eight bubbles worth of monologuing down the page of Proteus. Um they can control this rift that is responsible for flinging our Marvel friends into the Star Trek universe. Yes. Yes. Um, you can also tell that this is post-Claremont because Proteus doesn't have the Claremont sort of Scottish accent of like, you know, like, ah, wee, 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 sort of thing that like Rain and um, Moira Mataggart have. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, you're actually talking like a real person here. I forgot about that because it's so obvious with Rain and then Terry and this um, and Banshee in Generation X and there's no accent on his dialogue. No. Well, he maybe it's his Gary Mitchell voice that he's tapping into. And oh, the Star Trek echo is definitely going to be a thing. And we have uh, all the X-Men and, you know, James Kirk in the far background is um talking about like we can't let this happen and really underscoring the danger of everything so luckily bishop is able to control the energy in the rift and he's beamed back up to the ship so he can help um spock out up there absorb and rechannel yes yeah uh you get beast beast working with uh spock to formulate this uh this plan where he said they're going to redirect the energy through the ship and bishop's going to fire it back out uh at the rift to try to close it to to do things and this is where anomalous things yes and this is where we are in the final pages of this story and i feel they realized they only had a few pages left and they're like, oh shit, like we did enough world building to fill like a six issue arc and we have six pages to wrap it up. Like we have this giant battle we need to get through and resolve everything for both of these squads. Yeah. Um, so Gary Mitchell Proteus creates a bubble and flings Deathbird off. He's like, I don't need you anymore. <laughs> Bye. And she's like, what? a real blow to her ego that she was like but i was just caressing your face and you know it's a startled startled goose sound (laughs) it's like an angry toad sound from mario (laughs) she's gonna puff herself up to uh, make herself bigger to scare them all (laughs) um and this is where Proteus starts lashing out because Wolverine, of course, is like, I can cut through this bubble with my bone bone claws. claws. And, and he gets flung aside. <laughs> and Gary Mitchell's like, the fuck you are. Um, but then we get the Deo, Deus Ex Jean Grey coming in to be like, I can talk some sense into him. I appreciate a good like mechanism for identifying whose thought bubbles it is. Oh, so, so Kirks are in command gold. 
Jeans are in X-Men Blue, and then Proteus is in Bad Guy Red. Trademark? Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they don't go the classic Proteus route, which is to just hit him with, like, a piece of metal. Um, what? Oh, I just read some uh, Ultimate X-Men where they killed that Timeline's version of Proteus by crushing him to death with a car. Rude. Yeah, uh, he can't affect uh, metal, um, which is how they, they defeat him originally back in his first appearance by Colossus, basically just like punching him in the back of the head. <laughs> like To death. To death, yeah. <laughs> oh. It's okay, he's at, Proteus is like one of the 100% evil people in the Marvel Universe. Like, I I don't know of a redeeming quality once he makes that turn to being Proteus. Oh. I mean, yeah. he's a good guy, though. Yeah, I mean, he's he's mentally, he's mentally, um, mentally stable now. Part of it back in the day was he burned a, a Moira just imprisoned him in a closet from childhood, which warning signs along the way about moira yeah warning signs um so it's the 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 original proteus arc is really interesting but it's also like when you step back from it it's like there's a lot of just like bad parenting decisions informing some of this and another piece of the puzzle with moira falls in place wow so uh More proteus um gene taps into the gary mitchell part and is like you know you're supposed to be dead and he's like but and she's like but no. i want life and he, she's like but you're dead so uh, that ship has sailed buddy at, yeah. what, at what cost like but literally it's... give up the ghost okay like if you, you hang on to all this life but you're going to destroy all other life on all these planets and these billions and Kirk comes in to be like, this is not the oath that we took as Starfleet officers, which I'm probably paraphrasing. I don't think it was as nice as that. Like, and like Pike would have a really nice monologue about like obligation to each other and your role within Starfleet. And then and I feel like that Kirk doesn't have that same polish. Hmm. A fissure yeah. opens up and Chekhov and Uhura are about to be blasted into space, but Storm saves them. Yes. Yeah, and they work with the Imperial Guard to fight Proteus. Um, I remember the we were talking about earlier the the guy the giant guy with the Z on his chest is Titan, because um, you know Z obviously stands for Titan. Yes. Yeah, and uh, the fire guy is Flash Fire, um, oh. who was totally not the Sunfire analog. In- <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, and uh, then we get to basically the conclusion of this fight real quick. Like it is them talking inside of his head being like, you shouldn't do this. And then he goes into a bit of a rage mode and then they're like, fire everything we got. (laughs) They, um, vaporize him. Yeah. The Cyclops is using his eye blast. We have phasers involved. Storm's shooting lightning like the Emperor from Star Wars. Gambit is doing that magic trick where, like, you fling a whole deck of cards all at once. Yeah. But with both hands. It's 52 card pickup to death. 
his yeah. ultimate move in X-Men Legends 2. 52 card pickup along mm -hmm. with Prince of Thieves. Yeah. So uh, we say a fond farewell very quickly to Proteus slash Gary Mitchell. <laughs> Proteus Mitchell is gone. And then we basically go back up to the ship at the same time so that they can channel the energies to close the rift. Like they suck part of it out with a tractor beam, which I don't know how gravity affects energy, psionic energy, especially if it's supposed to be like mental energy. Things. But it can. But yeah. science, apparently. Um, and Bishop is just hanging out on the outside hull of the Enterprise, right above that iconic deflector dish, just blasting away. It's so weird. <laughs> um, and, yeah. yeah, apparently he too is invulnerable while blasting. He's, yeah. <laughs> he's just standing out there in the vacuum of space. Yep. Um, on the planet, they're like, oh no, like there's nothing left. And Storm is sifting through uh, the ashes, the, the cremains <laughs> to be like, is there anything left? Let me blow your friend around. And um, she's like, oh, wait, there's actually nothing to blow around here. He, he gone. And uh, we get the, the parting of the crews as the X-Men sort of make up with Deathbird. They're like, you know, we should maybe be friends so we can go back to our own universe. And Deathbird's like, you're right. We should be. Um, so, we, like... The writing is so sloppy and <laughs> how they wrap things up. They're like, oh, we're friends now. Let, let's go. Let's travel together. So the X-Men go aboard the Imperial ship. They make it through the rift just as it closes. And um, the Enterprise crew never talks about this again. Except they do. We will get to part two at some point. There's a follow-up story to this. But, like, what? they reference back to, like, oh, yeah, Kirk and the original Enterprise encountered people like this. Oh. Um, so, uh, that's it. Yeah. Uh, ends a little unceremoniously. And... Um... I, I don't know if that was Lobdell just being like, oh shit, I gotta like wrap this up in like three pages. So let's just let's do it. Um yeah. But um you know, not the worst X-Men crossover. Um I'll give it yeah. that. Uh, we do get some pinups. Um do you have a favorite pinup in the gallery? Uh, you, mm, um, you know what, I, what? What's your favorite pinup from the game? I, I appreciate Beast and Spock playing 3D chess. That's a fun little gag they threw in there. Um, shout out to David Tulaski who does great pinups. Um, but these are not the pinups I was expecting. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a demon woman. There that is Spock stumbles across. There is sexy demon woman, but there's no sexy devil like there is in the animated series. Yes, there's no like no burlesque things happening. Um, uh, we sort of get a preview of some of the 
artwork to expect from like the Star Trek Unlimited series where they're battling a Klingon. So um, I think it's just a sandbox that they gave some of their artists to play in to try them out for the different books. They're like, hey, everyone draw me a Star Trek and you can use X-Men. <laughs> and then they saw the results. They're like, well, we paid you for this, so we're going to use it in the book. And yeah. then they picked the art teams for the different books they were going to launch. They're like, okay, you're on Voyager. Oh. You're on Deep Space Nine. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably say um, Beast and Spock playing uh, fourth dimensional chess. Uh, I do like the ridiculous sexy demon lady um, just for the sort of 90s absurdity like, she, she is stroking like a drooly fanged and horned beast at the same time yeah it's just her little pet it's it's very uh like spawn like image extreme kind of yeah maybe uh, it's like a demonic targ like she is the type of woman that would fuck you to death yes. in a 90s comic like she would break your pelvis and you'd bleed out Oh, like that. I thought you meant like a succubus just. Oh, no. She, n- no, like she would no. violently have sex with you until you died. Oh. Yeah. And you wouldn't see her feet, though, because the artist couldn't draw them. So <laughs> it's true. So it's just obscured. <laughs> yes. It's an image creation. Um, what, are you, what are your thoughts about this overall, Scott? Um, you know, it's it's good, sort of mindless fun. Like, I, I didn't go into this expecting, you know, like, like Watchmen or something. Uh, it's 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 fun. It's stupid. There's a bunch of funny, like moments, particularly between like McCoy and just other characters. Um, no, it's 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 nostalgic. Like I enjoyed it. Yeah, this was around. I'm trying to think. This was the 30th anniversary of Star Trek too in 96. Yeah. So um, it was a big, big year, like we said, not only with a movie coming out and they had different series, but just a general celebration. It was really the last big celebration I feel they had for Star Trek. Like we had the 50th um, a few years ago, but they, they did. did. Oh, so that means there was a um, not great computer game where you could be on the Enterprise and had all their original voices and you had to go to different sectors. And if you phasered a rock wall incorrectly, a rock would just would kill a red shirt and you would get the classic, he's dead, Jim. <laughs> um, but I couldn't make it past the second mission where you like get the command codes for some other ship and beam over and then you're stuck. And then, but like fourth grade me gave up on it. Uh-huh. But that means this is also the season of Deep Space Nine where we got Trouble and Tribulations. It's true. Which is such a good episode. They, uh, and Voyager did a throwback episode with Sulu. Oh, that season. weird Tuvok one with the child. Yes, so they each did a an original series episode, but this was the last time they could really do that because by the 50th, a lot of them were dead. Oh. Like, the 30th was prime celebration territory because you had the original series crew that was all still here and willing to do things tng was filming first contact and they could celebrate you had two other series like 
they could do a, a blowout sort of celebration. And we did get some good rand moments in that Voyager episode, so I shouldn't poo-poo that too hard. That's true. Grace Lee Whitney coming back. That's that's set during the undiscovered country, right? Was, yes. yes. Yeah, they just within when kid uh, the moon explodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. The Praxis. Pra- the Praxis moon. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Scott. Where can people find you if they want to see what you are up to? Well, thank you for having me. Um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter um, at Mr. Scott Free. Uh, I apologize if you already follow me. Uh, if you don't, please, you know, come aboard. Yeah, come aboard. Give me your thoughts, complaints, whatever. Um, and uh, yeah, no, really, thanks for having me. And um, I, I this was a, a real blast from the past. <laughs> and a happy first contact day to each and every one of you listening. 